Welcome back to another episode of Give Me Some Truth. I'm uh, Keith Ponywas, and I'm joined by my colleague, Stan Farmer, and we're joined by a very special guest, uh, a, a CPA, uh, Leo Zimmy, who works with the Expat U.S. Tax. He's a CPA, uh, has his Bachelor's of Science in, in uh, accounting as well, an MBA, uh, also an Austra- Australian chartered accountant. Leo, you've, you've got uh, more credentials uh, than even, even Stan and I here in, in our booth, so we really appreciate your time today. Welcome, Leo. Thank you very much, Keith. Thank you, Stan. Uh, thank you very much for that intro. Uh, <laughs> I have spent my whole life, uh, I've spent about the last uh, 35 years working uh, with expats, uh, so primarily Americans living and working outside the U.S., and making sure to take care of their U.S. tax requirements while they're living and working outside the U.S. So it's been very interesting. Um, where well, would you like to start? Well, and, and in fact, that was one of the things that I was going to ask about was uh, you're now you're listed as the, the tax director for expat U.S. tax, and you're also the, the guilty specialist, and, and guilty specialist was not G-I-L-T-I, not uh, G-U-I-L-T-Y, we should note, uh, was not something that was in existence. So maybe just uh, start with a, a broad overview of what you've seen in your, your 35-year career and how things have changed for Americans outside of the United States. All right. All right. That sounds fine. Um, my background is uh, I started working for Ernst & Young many, many years ago. Uh, and I worked in various offices of Ernst & Young, scattered around the world. And the big accounting firms, they often look after uh, large companies that send people, thousands of people, to work in 100 different countries all around the world, especially big banks, uh, financial firms, technology firms, um, oil and gas, you know, mining companies. They have thousands of U.S. citizens that they send to work in many locations all around the world. And the big four accounting firms then look after both the company, uh, but also look after the individuals. And so in my career with Ernst & Young, my responsibility was primarily to look after the U.S. tax requirements for these individual employees working for these large multinational companies scattered in many countries around the world. So that gives you a foundation in how to look at the U.S. tax requirements for people moving and working outside the U.S., as well as what happens in regard to the local country tax requirements, and then how do you fit that all together, and then how do you manage things like you know, tax protection policies, tax equalization policies, uh, mobility policies in general, deferred compensation policies, stock option policies, all sorts of different things that you need to consider in regard to these people. Uh, and so that's my background, working with individual tax primarily, but individuals that are then linked into their employer that bring in lots of company tax issues and living and working outside the U.S., which brings in many issues from local tax issues in those different countries. Absolutely. So, Leo, working for a, a, one of the, I don't know what they're called now, the big four accounting firms or, or whatever, but... but um, Everybody gets started in there, right? Um, in, in the accounting world, um, it's very common to, uh, to to work for one of the the, 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 the giants. Um, as someone who was supposed to look after the individuals, 
did uh, did you find that in any way? Um, was there anything that that kind of handcuffed your ability to give the best advice to individuals working for a giant corporation with lots of big contracts for with uh, with these international companies? Um, there, there could sometimes be conflicts of interest whereby what might be best for the individual might not be best for the employer. Right. Yes, we would have to confront those types of issues regularly and we'd have to bring in the right people at the right time to talk about it and work through that conflict. Right. So, I mean, you know, and, I, and the reason that I asked that, the perspective I asked that from is, you know, as, as an advisor for... Um, for individual clients all over the world, I, f- I find that when they are working with one of the the big firms, um, you know, tax positions that that you would consider, you know, not particularly aggressive. It just seems like the bigger the accounting firm, the more likely they are to say no, no. I mean, that's if you do that, then you're going to you're going to owe taxes, you know, and you're, you're, you you know you can't roll this over or you can't, uh, you know, you can't take that position. It almost seems like the bigger the, the, the firm, um, the, the more ultra, 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 ultra conservative they're going to be because there's limited upside for them in helping lower that tax bill for the individual, you know, compared to the downside of if that gets challenged and the corporate client becomes somewhat, you know, irate or uh, uh, or displeased by the fact that now you've got an audit situation. Is that fair? It is fair. It, there is a sense of being extra careful and extra conservative in terms of tax positions taken. Uh, so that is one of the things that one would have to work through. And, and actually, that kind of leads to the other point that I think you're interested in is, is the, the basis for the firm that I work for. Mm-hmm. And you know, how it got started. Uh, I worked for Ernst & Young and PricewaterhouseCoopers for 26 years. And uh, Andrew Landon uh, worked for Ernst & Young and PricewaterhouseCoopers as well. And when you work in these big firms, you meet lots of people and you, you learn lots of things from your relationships with these people. And um, one of the things we learned uh, working in the Middle East was that there was a shortage of accounting firms that looked after the interests of individuals, particularly right. in places like the Middle East, because the big four accounting firms have a presence there, but they're only there for purposes of looking after the corporate clients, because the individuals do not have to pay local income tax in many of the jurisdictions in the Middle East. And therefore, there is no big four team looking after individual tax issues, because there's just not enough to, to take care of there. And if you don't have a team looking after the individual local taxes, then there's no expertise in terms of looking after U.S. tax or U.K. tax or Canadian tax on the ground, which means there's just a complete vacuum in terms of expertise in U.S. tax in the Middle East. And so Andrew spotted that uh, 10 years ago and said, well, why not create a company that looks after the individual rather than the corporate entity? and provides all the positive service offerings that a big four accounting firm can provide, but with a more personalized focus and looking at the individual needs and servicing them. 
and having a, a more flexible set of rules and having a better price relative to what individuals often encounter when they go with a larger firm. And so that was Andrew Landon's idea, was to set up a practice in the Middle East to service the needs of U.S. individuals needing tax returns and U.S. tax advice. Uh, and that all started, this is the 11th season now that the firm is in place. And it's now expanded from one person, Andrew Landon, 10 years ago, uh, preparing U.S. tax returns by himself. And it's now expanded to over 100 people worldwide with offices in the U.S., Canada, U.K., Dubai, uh, Australia, in both Melbourne and Sydney, and people in India and the Philippines and Nepal. And we bring clients from all over the world, and we prepare, our primary focus is looking after the U.S. tax needs of individuals. So we prepare the individual 1040 tax returns. Um, we also prepare all the other special things that are relevant for people living overseas. So if you have a business and you have a company overseas, there's the Form 5471 and reporting that company to the IRS. Uh, there are people with trusts where we prepare the 3520 and the 3520A to prepare all the, the forms required for trusts. Uh, there are cases where people have PFIX, lots of special reporting requirements in regard to PFIX. Uh, the 8621s and so on. We take care of all the FBAR filing. Uh, we look after things when people set up companies and need to apply for ITINs or EINs, etc. cetera. Uh, when people set up overseas, there are a lot of extra forms that accompany the Form 1040 in order to uh, qualify for the foreign earned income exclusion, in order to calculate the foreign tax credits, uh, in order to claim any other uh, deductions or credits that one is entitled to, uh, and to make full use of the law as it applies to U.S. citizens living and working outside the U.S. So that's the basis for the firm that Andrew Landon started 10 years ago, and it just keeps growing and growing because we find there's a huge number of Americans living and working outside the U.S. with very special needs in terms of U.S. tax returns and tax advice, in regard to all the complicated things that we encounter, like the guilty tax, uh, like the taxes that apply for people that are doing the streamlined filing, uh, people that are renouncing U.S. citizenship, people that are acquiring the green card, uh, non-U.S. citizens that might be buying property in the U.S. and therefore now have to file a 1040-NR. Uh, there's many, many situations where people are often living and working outside the U.S. and haven't been filing for many years and they want to get up to date, and then we have to find the best way, often through the stream on filing procedure, to get them all up to date. And uh, so you, you mentioned, and I, I would guess about uh, 11 uh, years ago, um, something happened in the U.S. that, that changed uh, things for individuals pretty radically. That would be sort of the start of the implementation of, of FATCA, um, and that's where, you know, a lot of individuals had, had sort of ignored U.S. citizenship tax uh, tax filing requirements for a long period of time. And then the other, you know, big change, uh, as you mentioned, was was guilty, uh, you know, uh, and, and that tax. Can you explain a little bit about how those two big changes changed, changed your business? Yes. Um, 
often what we find is that there's lots of U.S. citizens that live and work outside the U.S. and set up a business, set up a company to run that business. And when you do that, you then have to include a lot of extra forms with your 1040 tax return to let the IRS know about this business. Prior to 2017, you could have a business outside the U.S. and that business could make a profit and that net profit was generally not taxable to you as the U.S. citizen until such time as that net profit was distributed to you, either a salary or dividend or some other type of income stream. But starting uh, with the transition tax that came into play back in 2017, um, the U.S. government is basically saying that anytime there's a U.S. person that owns more than 50% of the shareholding of a non-U.S. company, the net profit of that company uh, should be subject to U.S. tax, regardless of whether it's distributed or not. And there's a, a long and complicated formula to calculate how much that tax should be in all circumstances, taking into account various elections and deductions and foreign tax credits and so on. Uh, but the bottom line is uh, there is a calculation of transition tax for that first year and 2017. Uh, and then for each year after that, there is what's called guilty tax, which essentially looks at the net profit of a non-U.S. company where the shareholding is owned uh, more than 50% by U.S. people and calculating that tax and including that tax in the 1040 mm. and getting the individual to understand the mechanism of that and getting them to pay that tax is, is often a challenging project. Uh, and there's a lot of planning that can go on. There's a lot of restructuring that can go on. There, there's a lot of thinking and adjustments to the ownership of the company or the, the nature of the income streams, the nature of the deductions, the way the accounting is done. There's a lot of different things that can be done to uh, make full use of the IRS rules to minimize that tax. However, it is important to be aware that there are a lot of forms required and a lot of planning and thinking involved in regard to that structuring. And, of course, to keep in mind that Congress is currently discussing changes to all that, and we can expect some things to consider down the road in terms of adjustments. Uh, as they always say, uh, you know, to constants death and taxes, I think you can always add to that uh, changes to the tax code. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think we all get a sense of the the uh, uh, the Treasury and Internal Revenue Services uh, and Congress's sense of uh, of uh, uh, the presumption of innocence when it comes to your taxes by naming the act guilty, basically. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and I thought there, Citizens some... United said that corporations are people. Okay. <laughs> if they're people, then they can be citizens of some other country and tell the U.S. to stick it. But apparently not because of guilty. You can't. Not, not if you're owned by the dreaded Americans, right? Uh, well, and I, I think, Leo, and, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but, you know, much like FATCA and, and so on and so forth, what, what we've seen, you know, or the PFIC laws and, and so on, something like guilty, it seems like the people who are, who are really burdened in a lot of cases with the compliance, as you've described, are, are mom and pop business owners. Um, you know, you end up keeping a little bit of money in your business, 
both maybe for local tax, but also, you know, you're, you're worried about a downturn and you want to make sure that you can, you can pay people. And all of a sudden in, in 2017, a, a law that was, I think, sort of put into place to think about huge multinational corporations right. ended up causing problems for, for mom and pop, you know, small businesses. Has that been your impression as well? Exactly. Uh, there's lots of bad press about the large multinationals not paying much in the way of tax in many jurisdictions. Uh, so many com- countries are all trying similar things to figure out ways to get the corporate entities, the large corporate entities, to pay more local tax. However, in trying to achieve that aim, they are casting a wide net and often catching a lot of very small businesses and you know, one-person businesses. Someone might own 100% of the stock of their own company, run a consulting business, and they are the entire business. And yet they are caught by these same rules. Mm-hmm. And then, and you add into the, that then, you know, this is a, the, the personal tax burden and filing requirements that you face in the U.S., the personal and corporate tax burdens that you face in your cr- country of residence. And it, it has probably kind of multiplied the, the nightmare for a lot of these people who are in consulting roles. It does make them wonder sometimes whether they should set up in a different way. Mm-hmm. Uh, or or change their business or close their business or do something different. Yes. Mm-hmm. Stan, anything else to add on, on sort of guilty that, that tax? Have you, you know, experienced it much, much with your clients and, and what they've well, done? And I, I will say this, you know, that, that um, a lot of people in the U.K., I mean, I'm sure there's lots of examples in, in many different residence countries, but a lot of people in the U.K., you're very much incentivized to set up your your own little limited company in the UK and structure it in such a way as an ability to um, you know defer income and reinvest in your business or you know to have that that cushion of of liquidity if you will right and and the the tax rules incentivize you in many ways to 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 make that formation so it it can be a terrible burden on, you know, the dual nationals or the the Americans that that are you know long term um, in the UK trying to operate a a business, right? And uh, it, it's not as if they're not taxed enough, right? <laughs> Living, I mean, you could just take UK out, substitute any other European country, and chances are they're already taxed enough, right? So, um, and and you know, I. I'm glad that we're talking about this. I mean, I usually when I think about, you know, talking about general expat, you know, tax stuff, we're talking about, you know, the more basics, the foreign earned income exclusion and things like that. But now we're talking about, you know, business taxation. And I mean, my opinion is that you need to have an accountant, even if you're just an individual without a business, right? If you're if you're retired, for God's sake. But if you're living abroad, it behooves you to work with accountants that know the tax treaties, know the proper U.S. filings. But, I mean, if you're trying to run a business and you're listening to this podcast and you're like, hmm, guilty, I should look into that. You need an accountant like like Leo or, 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 or you know, another firm that really has you know, a mastery of, of these rules. They are complicated and they are onerous. And because of FATCA, um, it will all catch up to you now, right? I mean, there, it's not it's not if, it's when 
now, right? Yes. Uh, I think notwithstanding the challenges the IRS has had, especially during the, the, the COVID and, and the working from home challenges, I think lots of people have experienced lots of delays with the IRS over the last year. However, that's a temporary thing. Right. And the one thing we've noticed is a trend toward everything being done on a computerized system and artificial intelligence makes it cheaper and cheaper and cheaper to do a lot of these things uh, with computers. And so the key at the moment is to gather as much information as possible. And so everything the IRS is doing is, is in the direction of gathering more and more and more information, whether it be through the FATCA law and all the banking laws and all sorts of issues around um, more disclosure in regard to ownership of companies and providing an income statement and a balance sheet each year for every company, regardless of where it's located in the world. I mean, the, the trend is to collect more and more and more information, to use inexpensive artificial intelligence to, to review all of that on the basis of millions of cases and send out letters asking for more information and assessing additional taxes and interest and penalties where there might be scope to do so. And I would expect more and more and more of that. So um, people should be extra careful to make sure they understand the rules, that they understand what forms have to be filed, to understand what numbers need to go on those forms and what that then means in terms of how those numbers get processed and how the IRS uses that information to work through whether somebody has to pay more tax. And, you know, related to that, if it, other than, you know, engage the services of a good uh, accountant, um, do you have any, any sort of quick tips for individuals in terms of assessing their situation or um, if they're getting ready to move abroad, um, you know, uh, either retire or for work, things that they might be able to, to take care of that can make uh, their life easier and your life easier as an accountant moving, moving forward for them? I would advise them to start early. Uh, typically, what I see is people often don't involve an accountant until after the event has happened and they're struggling yes. with how to report what needs to be taken care of. Um, but I would say if you plan in advance, you make your life a lot easier and you may save a lot of money. Uh, so even before one retires and moves countries or before you, uh, you know, we look after a lot of individuals who take up a contract with a foreign employer and, you know, they, they leave the U.S., move overseas, work for five years somewhere, you know, before they actually leave the U.S. It's good to talk to an international accountant so that they know in advance what to expect in terms of what their tax return will look like, how much tax they'll be required to pay, what the problems will be in terms of the local tax and how things can be structured in a way to minimize problems, both from the local tax and the U.S. tax point of view, before they get in that other country. We pride ourselves in taking that 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 attitude towards expat life as well, Leo. I mean, I mean, obviously, uh, we don't turn people away if they've already moved abroad and they've done you know different things with their investments, but. But boy, oh boy, is it a lot easier if they, you know, come to you in front of the move, right? And and you can, 
you can structure things and, and you, you know, you've just got one set of country rules when you start thinking about that portfolio and is it, you know, does it make sense to, to do some restructuring and pay U.S. capital gains before you move to a country that's got a much higher rate of taxation when you're talking about, you know, mm-hmm. rearranging things, so... Exactly. Solid and general some advice. People have, some people have some flexibility as well. Like they, they may be working for a multinational organization and that company may want them to work in an overseas affiliate, but they might give them five different choices. So they have right. five different countries they have to consider. It's a venue shop. A so they bit. need to, exactly, they, they need to think about what that means, not just in terms of their own personal career, and whether they enjoy one country versus another, or whether their spouse will want this country versus that country, but they should also think, well, what does this mean from a financial point of view, and what does this mean from a tax point of view over the next five years? Well, Leo, we really appreciate your time and, and for joining us. Um, and just for listeners, we didn't mention this off the top, but you're, you're currently located in Doha in Qatar. Is that right? Actually, in Dubai. He's in, in Dubai. Dubai. Okay. Pirates. Oh, I apologize. Yes. Uh, sorry, my, I was thinking yeah. of the, the upcoming uh, World Cup. Yeah, that's where that's where my Keith, focus Keith's is always, gone. Keith always is coming at things from a soccer perspective. <laughs> so I, I thought you were well, in, I, in I, Qatar. I have spent I have spent time in Doha, and and I do go there regularly, and we have lots of clients there. Excellent. Well, thanks for, thanks for saving me on that. But we really appreciate your time, appreciate your expertise, and hopefully we'll have you uh, back on again soon to maybe delve into some of these uh, particular issues in some more depth. Walker Conan Financial Advisors is a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Registration with the SEC does not imply a certain level of skill or training. The opinions expressed by the participants of this podcast are their own and do not reflect the opinions of Walker Conan Financial Advisors. All statements and opinions expressed are based upon information considered reliable, although it should not be relied upon as such. Any statements or opinions are subject to change without notice. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. Investments involve risk and unless otherwise stated are not guaranteed. Information expressed does not take into account your specific situation or objectives and is not intended as recommendations appropriate for any individual. Listeners are encouraged to seek advice from a qualified tax, legal, or investment advisor to determine whether any information presented may be suitable for their specific situation. Past performance is not indicative of future performance. Thanks for listening, and for further information, please visit walknercondon.com.